Warning, Supernatural The Crossroads contains adult language and discussions. If you're easily offended, do not continue to listen. Everybody to Supernatural: The Crossroads. I'm your host Thomas Cowley. Joined with me today is Michael Flores. Holler, and we're going to be discussing Supernatural season 14, episode three, "The Scar." Now it's just going to be us today. Ryan is out of town doing Ryan things, so probably swiping on Tinder and cosplaying. Yeah, that, that's what he does, right? Yep, getting some uh, restraining orders put on oh, him. Jesus, that's what he does best. <laughs> today we're talking about. The Scar, the return of Robert Barons to this season at, from the writing room. He's one of our favorite writers, bar none, for this show right now. And therefore, we were going to have a lot of expectations from him going into this episode. And it did not disappoint. Surprisingly, Barons and the company were still able to give us some closure to some of the recent events while still continuously building on those little mystery building blocks for the season for season 14 as a whole we still have a ton of questions we got some closure from some of the recent events we got more importantly some closure from last season with the wayward sisters backdoor pilot i'm so happy yeah i'm so happy they didn't just abandon the idea the concept as a whole yeah yeah to see them because they easily could have gone down a bloodlines route or the alpha vampire in season 12 where it's like, hey, it's back and now we can kill him off and then don't worry about it anymore. Yeah, but instead. Yeah, because that just to me, that's a blight on the series as a whole. You're always going to watch that Bloodlines episode and wonder what happened. And why am I sick to my stomach? Why did I vomit all <laughs> over myself? <laughs> Whereas with this, at least they decided against that. And mm-hmm. said, hey, you know what? It didn't work out as a backdoor pilot, but let's find a creative way to bring that idea back and connect it to what looks like the main myth arc for the season. Which, thank God for that. I, I love that because it made what was a glaring plot hole or, or not plot Could've hole, been. not Could've a plot been. hole. Could have been. Could have been. Uh, left a glaring open-ended issue from season 13 and ties it directly into the following season, making the whole arc feel more cohesive, more natural. Exactly. And to see what the potential they have with that, with dark Kaya coming into the mm. scene. That's great. We loved her from season 13 and having her as a potential threat to Michael is, is interesting. It's, it's more mystery about what, what is it about that spear? Is it from it just simply because it's an alternate dimension, different magic? Is there something that it's made of? 
you know, what, how is that going to come into play? How is it a threat to Michael? That is what's so intriguing to me because that just brings in so many questions that are not, they're not easily answered. Right. And that makes it that much more exciting. And the thing with that too, is that it, it doesn't feel kind of pull a rabbit out of your hat. Like some other elements of previous seasons where it's previous seasons all the way back. I would say even to Kripke, you had, Oh, I found the spell. We need 14 ingredients or four pieces of you right. know, the puzzle. This wasn't just, oh, we found this weapon that is legend says can defeat him in some obscure text I found. It's, hey, remember this logical explanation when you ripped open a hole to the multiverse and all kinds of other things fell out? And there was and a super powered. It? Yes. And there was a super powered being that wielded a staff that was able to survive in some crazed King alternate Kong reality run motherfucking place. yeah it, it actually feels like it was planned like this yes. just conveniently is just works so well it it fits perfectly into the narrative without us sitting there being like well i guess it's no egg mcguffin no you're not sitting there scratching oh, your head this fucking puzzle piece <laughs> don't worry about it it's been in my trunk oh there it is the whole time it's been in front of me <laughs> it's just yeah. him looking at the script like then you pick up the gold oh oh fuck they're looking at me it isn't the egg thing like you had yeah. mentioned, which we all had a problem with that from season yeah. 12, where, hey, we need to capture Lucifer. How are we going to do that? Well, well we can try this Lucifer capture device. There's this magical device that... That's uh, some SNL level shit. Yeah. Oh, you know, we've never used it because we've never confronted Archangels. But yeah, you know what? I keep it in the trunk of my car just for uh, those uh, rare circumstances. I may end up finding myself going head to head against an, an extinct species of angels. It's like a condom. You'd rather have it and not need it than need it and not have it. The Lucifer well, that's, egg. That's if you're responsible, because I just don't care. I just He's, rather, I just not, oh. yeah, I just leave it on the nightstand. I never use it. <laughs> I just leave it on the nightstand to make me look good. You know, like, oh, he's so responsible. He's such a responsible man. He's got to be clean. Wait, expires 2009? What the fuck? <laughs> when you open it, it just dissolves. Oh, it hits the air like a mummy and just <laughs> into dust. <laughs> <laughs> oh, got a little, the fuck are we talking? Got about? a little insight into my depraved life. Oh God, the horrors! Listen, kids, protection, <laughs> protection. It, he says kids because he's had multiple because he doesn't use protection. <laughs> yes, I'm thinking from experience. <laughs> protection is very important. Now, another thing we got was Kim Rhodes reprising her role as Sheriff Jody Mills, big fan favorite, big show favorite, and she never makes an appearance without leaving us with something to think about. And more importantly, giving one or both of the Winchesters something to think about, something to consider. She is the perfect alternative perspective because yes. she knows them so well. It really is going to your mom and saying, my brother's being a dick. I don't know what to do. My relationship's having problems. I don't know what to think about My brother this. doesn't use condoms. Can you please talk <laughs> some sense into him? But she knows them more yeah. than perhaps Honestly, right now, she knows them perhaps more than any other living being, except maybe Castiel. I would agree with that. Because Mary, Mary clearly doesn't know them. That's been a whole sticking point for se for two seasons now, that yeah. she doesn't know them as well as she theoretically should. Yeah. And new Bobby's fake Bobby, so it's completely irrelevant because Crowley and Bobby are dead. It's unfortunate, but that's the truth. Yeah. So with her... She always knows how to get at them and help them see it from a different perspective like she did with Sam this week. She always has a purpose every single time. Yeah. That's important. That's, that's why you bring a supporting character about. Yeah. Now, the other big thing in this episode was Jack and him 
coming to terms with his current human condition and his ability to surprise Castiel in that he's not just focused solely on his powers and what that means to him selfishly, which I think would have been a very Lucifer trait. Yep. Which shows more and more the nuances of Jack's personality and how much Castiel and Sam and Dean have played a role in his upbringing. Yeah, it shows his compassion side, which is very endearing to see how much he cares. And also just showing that he's not just an a big force. He's not just a big dick. You know, he <laughs> has he has the ability to be so much more than just some overpowered angel. He actually has the mind of a hunter. Yeah, I thought that was a nice way to bring him into the fold officially as as one of the group. It's important, too, for his development going forward, as I think, as we take Nick down a different route Mm -hmm. with him being so close. Yes, it's not Lucifer, but he still shares the face. He was still affected by that. And while we know that Jack isn't going to necessarily, well, we assume he's probably not going to follow in his father's footsteps. That still doesn't explain who, what kind of person he would be on his own. And I think they're definitely playing into that with first, we see the grandparents on Kelly Klein's side. And now we're seeing his parental or uh, paternal upbringing through Castiel and Sam and Dean and that hunter mentality that he started to cultivate. Yeah. All of it feels good. It's nothing is schlocky yeah. or haphazard. Everything is has a purpose. Everything's moving with a very definitive purpose. Now, there's not a lot of news for today, so we're going to just jump straight into the episode discussion. This episode, The Scar, was written by Robert Behrens and directed by Robert Singer. Synopsis saying, still trying to solve the mystery of what happened to Dean, Sam enlists the help of Sheriff Jody Mills, who may unknowingly already be on the case. Castiel continues to be a father figure to Jack, who surprises even himself when a life is on the line. Now, the biggest element of this episode was Dean. We were all coming to this episode wondering what happened. Are we going to get any explanations? Why did he leave? Is Dean okay? What's the fallout from that? We start the episode with Sam asking these same questions, which they did a very good job of not going into a shitload of detail to show that Dean is Dean. Little things like making fun of Sam for the beard that was, so was, was very Dean-esque. I love that. Especially because we didn't know what he was talking about at first. He's all, that thing is horrifying. And we thought something had happened already that we had missed. It makes me, this feeling makes me sick to my stomach when yeah. I look at it. That was, it's the it beard. Was, it was pretty fucking clever. It and that's good. such a brother thing to do. It reminds me, especially having done the retrospectives lately, it reminds me a shitload of them from season one. Yeah. Pranking each other and giving each other shit all the time. Yeah. It shows and I, that they're still there. And it shows that the writers still care about the old days of Sam and Dean and their relationship and the playful banter between, you know, between siblings, mm-hmm. between brothers. And that's something that the show has never really lost sight of, except for maybe one and a half seasons where they were really at each other's throat yeah. during Carver's run. But for the most part, they always bring it back to that, which is very realistic. You get into fights with your brother mm-hmm. and your sister. You never walk away saying, oh, I got I hate that person. I never want right. to see them again. And the next time you see them, you get along, you crack some jokes, and all is forgiven. Well, especially because they've aged since Kripke's era when them being at odds was part of the main story. Right. With seasons four and five. And the, the show's the fact that you two get older. What When you used to rip into your brother or sister for stealing your toy or your clothes or what have you, as you get older, you you understand more, but you still give each other well-deserved shit. Yeah. So it was nice to see that they did that. But the the best scene for that was between Dean and Dark Kaya. 
in in the abandoned cabin. That was such a great way to set up Dean's current mental state for us as an audience in a way that didn't require, again, a whole lot of exposition, a whole lot of talking, a whole lot of here, let me explain everything. But it it did it in a simple couple of looks and it made a lot of sense and it addressed perhaps one of the most controversial moments from season 13 that all of us here liked but yes. a lot of fans found serious issue with and that was when dean pulled the gun on original kaya i, I guess or yeah. og og kaya og kaya yeah when he pulled the gun on her and told her to get in the fucking car now we appreciated that scene because for us it, it, said showed, a, it said a thousand words. It said a thousand words. It showed so much where Dean was mentally and emotionally at that time. He was willing to risk anything and anyone to get Mary back, to get Jack back, mostly Mary. But the seeing him push to his limits after such an emotional season with the loss of Crowley and Castiel, he was on the brink. And it really pushed, showed how far he'd be willing to go. A lot of other people had problems with this we even got comments and and messages saying that they disagree with us that dean would never have done that it felt out of character why would anybody do that to somebody and again because he was so far off the reservation yes they are right it is out of character but sometimes when but that's you the point yes sometimes when there's so much happening in your life and uh, you're trying to figure things out and cope you act out of character so him pulling a gun on kaya made perfect sense and mm -hmm. and it just kind of curtails back these scenes that we saw in this episode curtails back to that moment and reminds us that for the most part dean isn't okay and he hasn't been okay mm -hmm. for quite some time and i know that we have those moments where we forget that because you know jensen does such a great job portraying dean in a funny way making us laugh yeah but there's been resolve to most of the issues that we that that our heroes come up against, but Dean hasn't had the opportunity to deal with them in the more recent seasons. The events from the last two seasons has been building up, building up, and there's has not been much in the way of reprieve. It's been a shorter time period too. Yes, yeah, chronologically, so as far as the show is concerned, I don't think it's been a full year. Yes. Yes. Since beginning of season 13 to now. Yeah. And That's we're a fucked up year, man. Yeah, it's been it's been a long time. And and normally we have those moments where you feel like a chapter is closed and they can relax. But going from season since Dab's taken over, season 12, season 13, everything has been so nonstop fast paced that we're getting a dean that has literally been from hell and back, but now he seems to have fallen in an area that is kind of hindering him. Or even preventing him from moving on. And it seems like potentially from what they said this week, fear is what's currently is what is currently driving him as a character. Fear. Mm -hmm. And by using that, it not only explains the issue that people had last year, because Kaya says she actually says that fear is what made you pull the gun out on Kaya. Mm hmm. Just like what it's doing to you now with me here. And when Dean looked at Kaya, you can see that his face. That recognition. He had recognition in his face and he realized, you're right. 
this is, I am afraid. And the fact that someone can see through that. So clearly. So clearly, I feel made him feel vulnerable. It shook him. It shook him. And holy shit, that is fantastic writing. Yeah. It's so nuanced and just well executed in such a way that you have, you can go past all the nonsense or the, the overdone exposition that we get sometimes where it's Sam and Dean talk, which we all love those moments, but sometimes it just doesn't work. Yeah. Whereas with this, to see someone else say something to your face brings a whole other level of just discomfort. And sometimes you say, they say that sometimes it's easier to listen to a stranger than it is someone you know very well. Well, it's it's the same principle as whenever your wife, girlfriend, or boyfriend asks you, like, how does this outfit look? Does this make me look dumb? Or you give them a yes. compliment. After a certain amount of time, they don't believe what you say anymore. What you say means nothing. I'm like, that dress doesn't make you look fat. The fat makes oh. you look fat. But the cashier at Safeway making a, ca- a casual comment about your outfit and your attire and how you look. Yeah. You're like, oh, my God, that means so much. Thank you. Exactly. And yeah. you're like, I fucking said that. <laughs> Nobody cares what you have to say. You're too close to the issue. Yeah. Are we getting an inside look into your uh, your personal life? <laughs> I feel like we, are, we might Perhaps be. a little bit. Yeah. Perhaps a little bit. But that's the thing is that you're right. When certain people are too close to it. You don't take it for granted. You, you you brush it off. But when a stranger can point this out, no problem, then it's clearly not as hidden or subtle as you thought it was. It's that obvious that a stranger can see it. You have a problem. And fear is absolutely the main motivator, main theme of this episode going throughout, primarily with Dean. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it leaves us the question, what the fuck is Dean afraid of at this point? Because we know it can't be death. They have a fucking rotating door. They have those punch cards. You get the next one free with how many times they've died and come back. If you count mystery spot, Dean's got like 300 plus from that episode alone. So it's not himself that he's afraid of dying. It means he's afraid of something else entirely. And it might be a couple of different things. One, it could be that he doesn't quite understand what they're up against with Michael or why Michael just let him go. But it it could be family related. It could be the threat that Michael poses. It could be the violation of self in a lot of ways. Yeah. And it gives us clarification on a few things because last year we had brought up that he was desperate, that the reason why he pulled the gun on Kaya and was acting a certain way was because there was that sense of desperation. Absolutely. But now they clarify that it's not necessarily desperation, although desperation can be a byproduct of being afraid. But we now know that what's driving Dean, his character, his character motivation is fear. And perhaps in season 12. I I would agree with that, especially since, you know, they some people may say Dean has been acting out of character and. And perhaps he has been intentionally because of that fear. And you brought up the questions of, well, what could this man possibly be afraid of? Death can't be one of them. And I think it has a lot more to do with the mystery of Michael. What what does Michael want with him? But also we have that fear that goes back to the very foundation of what makes supernatural supernatural, this family story of, of story of family bonds and love. You start to realize, well, maybe he's afraid by the very thing that's been driving him since day one. 
And it's the fear of loss, the fear of losing people he loves because you can't control that. That's something you cannot control. Especially now where he's at with the end of season 12, beginning of season 13, he was pretty hopeless because he had lost so much. Mary uh, Crowley Castiel. Mm -hmm. We had already lost Bobby and John years ago and so many other people that were important to them. Ellen, Joe, even Ash and, and others. When you have nothing, it's easier to be reckless and, and desperate and put a gun to someone's face and say, do what the fuck I need you to do now. I'm not playing around. Right. But now, and I think parents could easily identify with this. When you have stuff, that's what you're afraid of. You're afraid of losing things you have. Yeah. And now for the first time, he has people back in his life. He has Sam. He has Castiel. He has Mary back. He's got Jack now. There's there's still others offshoots like Sheriff Jody Mills and the Wayward Sisters group that are important to them. And even though we know they're not the same people, we there's still that tie. That's why he made risky moves in season 13 for fake Charlie and fake Bobby. For that, go, let's go back, connect it to, again, his actions. His his actions towards Kaya, pulling the gun out on on her. What was motivating him? What were they trying to do? They were trying to get to Apocalypse World to save Mary. So mm -hmm. he, he has more to lose, I would say. I think it's a fair statement to say that he has more to lose now than probably he's had in years. Maybe since Easily. the beginning of the show. Because he has that fear now of losing his mother. Again, a loss that... He already has felt before and possibly fears to go there again. But going with that line of thinking, Dean is afraid of losing the ones he loves. And I, I feel like that's a great motivator. And I think it's very smart for Dab and Barons to include that little bit into the show in this episode because it explains away so many things in a way that feels natural. Mm -hmm. Well, again, because with pulling the gun on Kai in season 13, he's desperate to save those things. He he was so fearful, yes. But desperation and anger were the forefront things we see. They're the now, obvious, right? Now, especially when he goes back to the bunker and you see it's full of people that depend on them, they have so much more. When he was at his ends, the end of his rope in season nine, and said, "Fuck it, I'm going to go to fight Metatron one on one," because he doesn't have quote anything mm -hmm. at that point. Yep. it's easier to be reckless. He has so much now, and therefore that fear of losing it, like you said, fear of losing Mary again especially, is going to be crippling to him. And he's also had his own person taken away. It, with Michael, you have the fear of losing yourself. Yeah, that's true. And and we'll touch on that a little bit more nuanced in a minute, but but all of these things are quintessential to where he's at right now. There are a lot of lives in his hands, in his and Sam's. That's a lot of responsibility. Mm -hmm. So it's not with that with that concept in mind. It's not hard to understand that this fear is his main struggle. Yeah. See, with season fourteen, but again, potentially since season twelve, since Mary showed back up. Yeah. And from a narrative standpoint, it's perfect. It's a motivator yeah. because it's a motivator and it's relatable. Like we had mentioned, but also it shows, in my opinion, it shows very intuitive writing within the writing room because mm -hmm. all of this makes perfect sense. There is no convoluted 
contrived reasons Deus as ex shit yes. it just that we it, had with some other elements from last year it feels seamless with what we've seen yeah because we can follow those breadcrumbs all the way back to season 12 and and fuck even all the way back to season one with certain elements it works it it, it does feel natural now with dark kaya coming back to the show that was another cool little bit to give the audience not only do they plan to tackle the wayward sister aspect and not leave it open-ended but it also adds to one of our key characters and potentially one of the bad guys for mm-hmm. season 14 because we know we know that kaya is up to something she's just not fucking hanging around in the woods and threatening michael for the fuck of it she didn't cross over just to cross over I was like, oh, what's this? A glowing worm seam in the fabric of reality? I better go touch it. I heard they have internet over there. I'm going <laughs> to I'm gonna go look at some internet porn. Got porn? <laughs> Netflix? Holy shit. This is way better hey, than where I came from. What was my plan I had at? Never mind. I'm just going to watch reruns of Friends again. <laughs> Dude, if you came over to a reality that was that different and you're like hunting bugs and fighting monsters every fucking night and here they have internet TV porn. No, it's just not even a contest. No, it's just like those um, the radical, you know, radical Islam where they just come here for a month. Where some of the the uh, sleeper cells have trouble becoming true sleeper cells because they become they fall in love. They fall in love with the American society and how easy it is compared to where they come from. So, yeah, I mean, this Kaya is probably going to give up soon on her on her plans. I I would have already. And Michael probably would. Like, Jesus Christ, they got they got porn. Why am I fucking around they with got, monsters? They got coffee shops. I'm just going to enjoy this. Why would you fuck around with monsters when you have the internet? This is a better place. I, I don't even <laughs> understand how anybody on Bobby's team, fake Bobby's team, is still well, doing that life. I wouldn't have been doing that life. I'm like, I'm going to go, I'm going to go get in a, in a cheap apartment that yeah. is, that's maybe shitty to your standards, but to me, this is resort living. I used to live in a fucking tent. Getting shit on by angelic missiles you know, every night. Wait a sec. You're telling me you can buy sex on every corner? <laughs> what the fuck is Tinder? <laughs> you can actually order sex on a mobile phone? Postmates, Grubhub, food comes to me? 15 years of dealing with that shit in a tent and you're telling me you're still going to be a hunter in this bunker underground? Fuck no. Fuck no. But so we know Kaya isn't just hanging out for the fuck of it. She's got something going on. But the main part that we care about right now is that she has a means to kill Michael. And that was this spear from her dimension. Oh, even more so, even more important is I feel like they used her to give the audience confirmation because this was mm-hmm. a very big part of our show last week. We speculated like show last week. for about 40 minutes about whether or not Michael is in fact gone. But I feel like they kind of gave you verbal confirmation that Michael is in fact gone. She obviously has some ability to tell the difference. And that was made obvious by the fear comment and and contrasting the two. She even said, you're afraid. He was not. Well, and that's as good as it would have gotten without Michael showing up and talking to them one on one. A part of me was afraid. This is my other vessel. Fuck you. (laughs) Hey, guys. (laughs) No, a part of me was afraid that because, and I, I know they were purposely trying to mislead us, mm-hmm. misdirection, and that's another reason why I like this episode because they didn't, even though Kaya stated that, hey, you're Dean, I know you're him, you still had a little bit of, okay, well, maybe she doesn't know everything, maybe right. this is misdirection because you can see how Dean kept looking at that spear. 
Like, what are you? He wanted that spear. So you, a part of you thought maybe it was Michael pretending. And the whole reason why he was even to pretending. To get some help, someone she'd trust. Yes. Or so, theoretically trust. Even that made sense. Yeah. Even that made sense. And that would have been quite the trick, dirty trick by Michael. Yeah. If we were there like, all right, so it really is Dean. And then we're getting back to Kai just so he could get the spear and then drop all pretense pretending to be dean and then fly out it's great misdirection yeah they did a good job with this episode just layering it giving us what ifs and then answering certain things and then misdirecting us and saying well this could be a thing still but hey in the end it did not come about and and even though okay so even though it was pretty obvious i think to most people Mm -hmm. for the folks that haven't read between the lines or or were still on the fence about it Andrew Dabb himself has confirmed in a recent interview the day the episode aired that according to him, it is Dean. He is no longer possessed. This is from TV Guide, where we now have the actual showrunner confirming something for us, which I'm sure some people are a little upset about because, you you know, some of us want the mystery and some of us want it to want to hope that it's more than two episodes where we see Dean as Michael. A part of me, though, and tell me if you feel differently, a part of me feel, because we're always against this type of stuff. We always say, Uh, quit telling us the story unless it's in the show itself. We don't need you guys in interviews confirming things until after it happens. So I'm wondering if possibly Dab chose to do this because a lot of people were being distracted by the what if. It seems like a lot of the fans were Mm -hmm. focused on Dean not really being Dean and that Michael was still there and I think in retrospect when you think about it if the fans and the audience become so enamored and fixated on with a non-story on a non-story element what's going to happen in nine episodes or four episodes when it is without a doubt revealed he's gone suddenly you're going to get these people just kind of throwing their arms up in the air getting obsessing well I thought this was going to happen so possibly dab stated this so that he can just say let's not get distracted with things that are just not there this is the story i agree i i am completely against because we have seen that type of behavior in social media where we've done it where we blow up an episode we figured it out guys yeah (laughs) and we were totally off and wasn't the story there's other shows i think personally i find game of thrones the most annoying with this fans going down so many fucking different fan theories they're not paying attention to the subtext and the story that they're trying to be told. They're so distracted by them, their own version. They're they're writing their own show in their head that they're not even focusing on the actual yes. story. And then suddenly when it's not what they wanted, what they're happens upset. is they get upset. They get on social media. Oh, this is shitty writing. No, it's just not what you wanted. Yeah. So while I don't like showrunners or actors giving away information because I much rather watch, I also know a – I'm guilty of that same thing where I'm like, oh, fuck, mm-hmm. I had a much better idea or what I think is a right. much better idea. Yeah. So I get upset. But I also know that I perhaps more than your average viewer, at least according to my friend group, have more patience to see things unfold. And, and what's this wait. word patience that you're using? Uh, it's the name of an episode and a character in Supernatural. <laughs> That's not an actual. It doesn't mean anything else. It doesn't mean fuck anything else yeah. these days. But I, I understand why he would do that because you're right. We we as fans will do that, especially with something that we have such crusader like fervor for. So 
It's a double-edged sword. There's real questions that I'm sure the the writing team wants us to focus on. Like, Not, what is yeah. Michael's next move? Why did he leave Dean's body so suddenly? And that's a huge one. Yeah. Honestly. Because he is the Michael sword. In this reality, at least. Yeah. He should not want to give that up in any way. He's at his full, quote, power. That's why I feel like it's such a good move to do that. Because it creates a, a question that. What was uh, enticing enough? That elicits dread and, and, and fear of what the hell is Michael actually planning if he chose to to leave the perfect it's, vessel. It's if somebody said, hey, here, you can have the cult. I don't need it. I got something better. You'd be like, you're wondering Wait a minute. What's what? better than the cult? Yeah, that's what we're sitting here with. What the fuck was so enticing? And it stresses you out as a as an, as audience. an audience member. Yeah. As a reviewer, you're like, that can't that, that can't be good. Yeah, these are the appropriate feelings. And that's why I keep going back to saying that this is a very well written episode. And so far, I know we're only three episodes in, but everything's working and creating the right questions and 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 these questions are creating the appropriate feelings what we should be feeling and again going back to what dab said and confirming that michael is gone i probably would have done the same thing as a showrunner and said hey let's uh, this is the story let's bring it back guys this is the story i don't want you guys hating me on social media when when uh, <laughs> when it goes off the rails yeah from what you anticipated i actually i'm actually cool with all of this so far so far it's been it's been presented in a nice neat little package so far wrapped in mystery and well thought out we understand the questions that we're supposed to be asking we understand the motivation behind our core characters not our antagonists but our core characters which is where we want to be it's a great setup for right now and with this season so far it's it's nice to see them really focused on dean because everything that's happened will have a lasting effect on him as a person, on his psyche, on on how he's going to react to things in the future. I mean, this this has been confirmed by Dab himself. It's, it's very obvious from the onset, especially with the way this episode ended. Mm -hmm. But with Dab actually going off to say it, that he'll have to grapple with what's been done to his body by the Archangel Michael and the parallel effects that's going to have to what Nick is going through with Lucifer... It's it's a great – this is a – we've talked before about having huge scale problems like the apocalypse or leviathans or the darkness coming and that you have to eventually dial it down and tell a more personal story, which we got with Sam being soulless and Mary coming back into the fold. But this is kind of a nice mix of the two because we have this all-powerful entity creating an army. We don't really know what's going on the ramifications of which are massive. But our primary focus throughout the season is how this has psychologically affected Dean, Jack, Sam, our main characters. Yeah. And how they're going to go through and tackle and deal with these problems. Even Nick, Nick is a great example of that. While Sam and Dean and Jack may be able to get over, strive to move past the horrors that the, that the events have done to them, Nick is somebody who won't. And with this, we get to see both sides of those coins, not just from a world-ending view, but from a personal inability to move past this, a personal story mixed into one. Yeah, and I'm wondering if that's the whole purpose of Nick, because that's something that we had questioned at the very beginning of the season. Okay, Nick is back. 
But what's his point? What's he going to do? Obviously, Lucifer's dead. He's not coming back at least this season right. or anytime soon. So what it is, what is his point? So if they're using him in such a clever way as to parallel what's going on with him with Dean and those after effects, as you had mentioned, mm -hmm. what a great way to use Nick in a subplot that actually matters to the overall myth arc and our main character this season, yeah. Dean, and what they're focusing on. And it, it's it's very smart and it's very, very tidy. It's very personal as well. Yeah. And I love that with the show. So we're we're going to get into those parallels moving a little bit more towards the end of this episode here. But so far, this has been really well thought out. It's It's refreshing to have that after, unfortunately, how season 13 kind of spiraled to many of us. But so far, so good. Yeah. So before we get into that, we're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to get into the other half of this episode in just a moment. This is Star Wars from the Butter Tank Exclusive. That's operations. On Twitter today, Hamill tweeted out, The To Be Continued. Likely in reference to the still-secret subtitles of Star Wars Episode Nine, if indeed the third film in the sequel trilogy begins with the word The, it would mean that all three of the sequels had subtitles where The was the first word. It would also be the fifth of nine episode movies that begin that way. That is fucking reaching for an article. <laughs> You just wasted five minutes of my day. I literally <laughs> took a gun, put it in my mouth, and I almost pulled the trigger after reading this article. Oh, and now man. our listeners are going to do the exact same thing, Dave, because I put them through the same horse shit that I had to go through. Please quit writing articles like this. Yes, I have to agree. Journalistic uh, integrity. Whatever happened to journalistic integrity? Uh, this is also going to be the, the, the ninth movie where somebody wore robes. And uh, had shoes on. Go fuck yourself! <laughs> Is comicbook.com really that desperate for clicks? It's getting that bad now. <laughs> Who wrote this article? <laughs> Russ Burling Game. You're fired. Don't die. <laughs> Go die. <laughs> but seriously, Are we the only people that get this angry over things, Dave? Like, I feel sometimes when I listen to this show back on the replays, I'm like, man, I get really aggressive. But are other people get annoyed by stupid shit like what Russ Burlingame made us go through? You are not a journalist. <laughs> you yeah. are not a journalist. They should be Bobo Fett, right? Bobo Fetted right into the Sarlacc pit. Yeah, I'm like, going, they should die early. David, no they, research. They should die early. <laughs> they should die early, like Val. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I don't wish death on anybody, but probably. Um, but possibly Russ Burlingame. Yes, for yes. sure. P possibly. Okay, get more Supernatural The Crossroads every month by pledging to our Patreon page 
we produce various types of shows every month in order to create more options for our listeners to get more Crossroads content. By pledging $1, we give you a monthly Crossroads minicast that varies in length from 10 to 30 minutes. By pledging $2 or more a month, you gain access to the cinematography of Supernatural, an interpretive discussion on select scenes, shots, sequences from Supernatural, and maybe occasionally some other TV shows. And by pledging $3, you gain access to the Behind the Scenes tier, where you'll be able to listen to the Crossroads pre-show, a show where we get into a lot of random thoughts on Supernatural with a focus on the upcoming episode discussion. By pledging 5 you gain access to the Crossroads bonus cast. During the TV season, we turn this into our monthly wrap-up slash review, and we discuss all of the events that have transpired up to that point. By pledging $10, you gain access to the Crossroads videocast two to three times a month, retrospective episode discussions, and fun specialty shows. We've also got a $15 tier option for you hardcore elite listeners there out there that gives listeners the opportunity to view the live camera feed of our discussions. And this is also part of our gift tier. We receive quarterly gifts. The cool thing about how the tier system works is that the higher you go, you also gain access to all the tiers below. So if you were to do the $10 a month, you're essentially going to be getting close to eight additional pieces of content each and every single month. Not to mention all the other geek-eccentric content we also offer. So head over to patreon.com slash Digital and pledge. Previously on Supernatural The Crossroads. Those I mean, just- my biggest question is nobody said, where the fuck have you been for 10 years and pay where are your taxes? Like, right. you owe us money. Hey, Nick, you're still alive? Where well, are you? We got some questions. Uh, your house has been sold. Yeah, you owe, you owe, uh, we had a fucking funeral, I man. Mean, we, take we, your we, car, we can bro. literally do that with everything. How can we never see Sam and Dean take a shit? I mean... Because <laughs> they don't poop because they're 10. Their 10s don't yeah, poop, right. dude. Do Sam and Dean ever whack it? We never see that. Do no. they fuck? They got, they are, they, are they second virgins? Oh, come on. I mean, we can... Second virgins? uh, Yeah. That's a thing. When you decide not to have sex anymore, you become a second virgin. (laughs) I did that after the failure of my first marriage. Oh. No. Now we got sex. I was going to say that. (laughs) No, but I'm... Welcome back, everybody. Supernatural The Crossroads. Now we're going to get into the other half of this episode. A lot of other things happened beyond just Dean and Dark Kaya. Also this week, we gained some insight into the monster situation. And although we're not clear on what Michael's plans currently are, we do know that it's not just werewolves that have been altered, but vampires as well, which has to, which leads anybody with logic to believe that there are no doubt other high-powered monsters lurking in the shadows. To see werewolves who don't, quote, give a fuck, <laughs> essentially... Yeah vampires who are far more powerful that has always been a hunter's greatest tool is that they have these these achilles heel weaknesses that can be exploited for something that is essentially far greater than a human is to see just archived archived experiences done in journals ways you combat the monsters they're changing it all it's gone you throw out every playbook every journal is worthless essentially at this point but all of that, too, gives us a nice homage to the previous seasons. And it's mm-hmm. it's very nice to see the show returning to using monsters as part of the main myth arc. For Supernatural, 
especially after so many years, it makes sense. We've dealt with heaven and hell and angels and demons in the apocalypse. And we've talked about this to death that we felt like certain groups like angels or hell were done out. There's nothing to be left said. Yeah. And some of the creepier episodes we've had in the last few years have been monster focused. Yeah. And I know as us, as, as fans, you, me, Ryan, we specifically love the monster aspect. So to see them come back is just a kind of like the little icing on the cake for us this season so far. Mm-hmm. And, and whether or not they have a giant purpose, I don't think matters. It's kind of irrelevant. 14 years in the chances that suddenly the big bad or the most relevant baddie is going to be monsters is probably slim. But if they can find a clever way like they are doing to bring them back, that's that's a win. I think the biggest thing is what happened last season with Breakdown, one of my favorite episodes from the season. Agreed. where We learned that there were millions and millions of monsters out there. The yeah. ones they find are the dumb ones, Yeah, <laughs> you know, that get yeah. caught essentially. So to know that there's that many people, it doesn't matter whether or not the monsters have some big bad it's more of a war of attrition yes. at this point. And with Michael leading that, giving them a leg up, there's not that many hunters. Mm-mm. You know, that that is a scary thought. So it is nice to have that fear brought into the thing that goes bump in the night. Monsters that we've gotten so used to that we don't really fear them anymore. Not knowing what they're capable of again, which is the best part, yep. is really a strong, not major myth arc bad guy, but an, your average enemy your average monster throughout the week is all that more interesting now this this takes me back to season six where the mm-hmm. monsters even up to that point absolutely been there done that well what do we do to make it exciting and interesting again well we're going to introduce the idea of alphas and that kind of brought back our enthusiasm oh. as an audience for monsters that kind of were played out by the end of season two right so to kind of reinvent that and make it work yet again, this is yet another example of them essentially kind of reinventing the wheel of sorts. Yeah, it's great. And it, it does put the threat towards hunters as very real, very, very relevant again. Yeah. And it's always nice to see other hunters, primarily Sheriff Jody Mills, as always a relevant guest spot on this show. And you know, despite the obvious connections to the now defunct Wayward Sisters backdoor pilot, she was used to help us understand the nuances of Dean's personal issues at this time, while also reminding us just how important she is to Sam and Dean's relationship. We said yeah. this earlier. She's the only one who's known them as long as they have, as long, the longest time of anybody who's alive. Yeah. That's huge. Yeah. And she's a great, they always use her the right way. She's always a great example of a supporting character. She's there. We like seeing her. She's fun. She's attractive. So that always helps too. (laughs) But she supports and helps Sam and Dean. Wayward hotties. (laughs) Helps them get through something that they don't understand themselves or, or can't deal with on their own. And that was done to, well, not today, but this episode with just one simple statement to Sam fearing that Dean's not ready for this, but her saying perhaps he needs this. And that's a great display of empathy, something that Sam, he loves his brother, but he wasn't empathizing with his position, which is strange in a way because he has been through the exact same thing. But at the same time, he's had more to deal with than 
in the last few weeks than he's ever had to deal with. Yes. Yes. But also how many times, Thomas, in your life have you had empathy for your brother? Like for real empathy. We're like, I feel you, bro. I love you. And I understand you got to do you a few times, but it's not common. A Usually lot of I'm like, you're a fucking idiot. And this right. is how you should do it. A lot. Most <laughs> of the time we look at our brothers in a very tough love situation I'm like dude snap out of i it, love man. you but you're fucking ridiculous right now yeah. just do this and it's not saying anything bad about sam it's just very realistic sometimes brothers we're not we're not married to each other where you're supposed to know your 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 loved one inside and out and you kind of understand how they're feeling before maybe sometimes they understand how they feel a relationship between siblings is very different than an intimate relationship with a significant other. And sometimes you're not in tune. Even if you think you should be, chances are your brain is filled up with your own problems, especially with Sam right now and, mm-hmm. and the current situation he finds himself in. As the leader, he's responsible for a hell of a lot of people. So to have Jody come in and just do that one line and then you see, you know, this is where Jared Padalecki always shines as an actor, that that recognition. Oh, you know what? You're right. right. I didn't even think about that. And that's the genius part of how they always use Mills. They always use that character as such such a great way to flesh out nuanced issues of uh, between Sam and Dean or something that maybe the other didn't see or recognize. And it does make sense because not only has she become such a beloved character and we just love to see her in this show, but for all intents and purposes, she's their mother. Yeah. And let's get real. She is. Yes. More than Mary at this point. Oh, way more. Empathy, patience, compassion, a stern look or two when (laughs) needed. She's an element in the show that has had such a natural progression. I mean, it's one of my favorite moments, even though it has nothing to do with every other part of Supernatural that I love. But that dinner table scene where they start talking about sex and stuff. It's just like, oh, this is awkward because I'm at the dinner with mom. Yeah. That's exactly how it felt. And you're right. It's a natural progression. Although I'm just going to say this right now. She's far too young and hot to be a mom. I'm just going to say that now. Well, to be their mom. To be their mom. Yes. Well, yeah. But it it feels natural. It's something that we naturally accept. And they never forget what role she plays. Yes. No matter how much she's advanced as a warrior. Okay. Because she has. She has definitely gained, you know. Level 100 prestige. Yeah. (laughs) Prestige. Yes. You know, no doubt. But they've never forgot what her purpose has been. I would say even all the way back to season six when they started to bring her uh, around more. Yes. Yeah. Well, and the thing is, they know that she is essentially their mother, but they've, it's always been that surrogate one. Mm -hmm. In some way, they've kept her in, they've never had her clash. We, We worried about that a little bit in season 12. That with Mary being brought back into the show, we would worry about that aspect. That they would kind of do away with, with Mills' purpose. They'd screw it up or maybe yeah. she'd fall off to the side. Mm-hmm. But they've managed to maintain this dynamic between the three of them and not attempted to either replace Mary or overthrow or undermine her in any way. They have both figures and both figures have their roles mm-hmm. without fucking up any of it because they could have easily gone down that route so easily dude and yet they've never ever i don't even think they've even tried they they haven't even tried in fact the only moment they had a potential clash was the episode where 
I believe Mills got possessed by a Ace demon. Of Mesa or Asa Fox. Asa Fox. And that wasn't undermining her as a mother. It was actually strengthening her role as the mother. Yeah. When she had that talk with Mary saying, hey, these are good boys. Give them a chance. Yeah. That's a motherly thing. Yeah. So even at that moment when when you're dealing with the actual mother of Sam and Dean and yet they didn't undermine her role one bit. And right. I feel like the moment they do will destroy her as a character. Uh, it very easily could. But I don't think they ever will. At this thankfully, point. they they've stayed away from that. Barons is a great writer. He's has a lot of passion for the Wayward Sisters cast and all mm-hmm. those characters. He understands what makes them work, what doesn't. hes I don't think he's about to fuck that up in any way. No. Now, we talked before about fear being the main theme, the main driving point of this episode, and we very clearly see that with Dean. The other half of that coin that took up the primary time slot was Jack. And it was nice to see that he was not going down a very easy very predictable route mm-hmm, of being an mm-hmm. angsty teenager. I don't have my powers. Fuck you, dad. Okay. Like, <laughs> All right. So were you a little bit afraid that's what they were going to do with him this yeah, year? Because they, because that's what Lucifer is. Yes. And I was afraid that without his powers, would he fall more in line with Lucifer's line of thinking or be more selfish and I should be able to do this mm-hmm. and all the negativity that comes with him. It seemed like a very easy route to go down. It would have been the lazy route. Yeah, it would have been the lazy been. route. And and luckily, that's not the direction they're taking Jack. You know, because for the last yeah. couple of weeks, we, we've seen Jack that he is struggling to come to grips with his own mortality. Living as a human has been an obvious challenge for him. But this week, Barron's put together a subplot that was not only endearing, but it was charming and 100 percent Jack. Absolutely. It's just so natural to him seeing him lines that other actors might pull off or other characters might say would feel weird coming from them. But Jack has this perfect balance and Alexander Calvert has this perfect balance of he's good innocence and genuine. He's genuine. Sincere. Yeah. Yeah. He's sincere. It it comes across in spades. It looks it's great for him as a character. And we see He's afraid, not just of losing his powers, but more so. And it's, again, a sign of his upbringing from Cass and Sam and Dean. He's afraid of not being able to help people. And that's a big thing. Very much, it seems like fear might be the main theme of this season, overcoming fears, Mm -hmm. dealing with them, working past them or living with them in some way. We've got Jack's afraid that he lost what made him useful. He's afraid to disappoint Sam and Dean. He's afraid that he's a burden. He's afraid he won't be able to save anyone anymore because he's just another person. Because of fear, we see other sides of people. That's why we saw Dean pull a gun on Kaya. Mm -hmm. But with Jack, because of that fear, he was motivated to act. When, When you put characters, when you put pressure against them, How they react to those decisions tells a lot about their character. Dean, for all his bluster, we always know he's had fear as a main driving force. Fear of losing Sam, fear of losing his father and Mary and everyone. Define bluster. Confidence for all his boasting, for all his showmanship. 
I'm just, I'm just fucking with you. That's for Ryan when he listens, if he listens to this one. <laughs> I just gotta let it go. For all of that, we know Dean has always been motivated by fear of losing people. That's why he does a lot of stuff. He is afraid. We kind of have that heart-to-heart moment back in season 12 when he talks to Mary. Yeah. But with Jack, he's motivated not to give up. That's which a, is huge. Fear is a powerful motivator. And oh, shit, yeah. Fear can be a good thing and or fear can be a bad thing. And I, in this instance, was Jack. Yes, I, I believe it's intentional. 100%. Fear is definitely the theme. If not for this episode, for the season. Mm-hmm. But for Jack, it worked to flesh out his immediate issues at this moment that's been plaguing him since the very beginning of the season premiere. So to see this fear... And to show that it motivates him to be productive, to save a life, he was able to prove to himself and Castiel that he's much more than just a big swinging dick, that he's not mm-hmm. just some overpowered angel. He actually has the mind of a hunter. And all of this was able to be fleshed out and brought to the forefront or the surface because of that, that theme that they're using, fear. Yeah. It's, it's great. It's, it's great. And while it is, it's hard to say where all of it's going right now, especially with how that episode ended with For him sure. coughing up blood. That's ominous as fuck. Yeah. Uh, He's got cancer. Oh, God. No angel powers turns Nephilim's body into half cancer. He got cancer. TB. <laughs> Tuberculosis. <What? laughs> I don't know. It was 18th, 1800s England? Yeah, but you got to remember that he's traveling to different universes. They don't have shots. There's they no immunization <laughs> forms. Yeah, there's no inoculation that can help him out. I got space aids or something like that. I got I got apocalypse HIV. <laughs> There's a lot of smoke in that air. You I don't know what he was breathing in, man. With you know, with the vampires just eating everybody, blood dripped on my dick, and I oh. got the hiv. <laughs> for some reason, he's Where are a, your pants for off? some reason Jack's now a broken down hillbilly. As I know, well. right? But it is hard to see where this is going overall. But whenever you can have a parallel narrative or a parallel subplot mm-hmm. that strengthens that feeds into that main theme that's a win that's a clear win yep now while we've seen fear control jack and dean through this episode the other main character also is kind of dealing with his own fear in a way but i think sam is going to be the one that may have to step up to the plate we see him trying to balance being a leader with the others with with Mary and Bobby and all the nameless hunters that are currently in the bunker. He is in charge. They call him chief. They they have 100% faith in him and he knows how to call the shots. But once Dean shows back up, he lets Dean take the lead. Sam kind of, you can see he's fighting against it, but he has fallen back into Dean's shadow. Rather than stand on his own in these last few weeks in this one episode. Do you think this is going to be a thing? I think it's going to be a thing where Sam will have to step up in a way he didn't think of before. He has no problem being a leader with strangers, with other people, with helping people. But when it comes to his brother, he has always played the younger brother. He's always played second fiddle because Dean was older. That's just how their relationship worked out. And And while he did fight against that for a long time, that's just how they do things. It's, it's also realistic. It is. That's how most siblings are. I mean, I'm like that. Like I'm in charge of my world for the most part. I'm the alpha of my scene, no matter where I'm at. That's just my personality. I'm the loudest motherfucker in the room. (laughs) I demand 
complete control. Spotlight and attention. Right. And you know that's true. Yeah, I know it's true. <laughs> but the moment my brother shows up, I just shrivel. I shrivel. In the cold? Yes, I shrivel in the cold. It's almost as if I took a dip in some, the pool. in a cold cold pool water. <laughs> but it, you're right. It's natural. Yeah. That's what happens. And I would like to see him overcome that a bit. And I, I think that's what we're going to play into ultimately. Yeah. I think that he's so easy to do it with other people, but he's letting Dean make reckless calls in this one. So, you know, maybe we should wait till the morning. And Dean's like, no, let's go now. He doesn't push back. But if that was any other hunter, he'd be like, no, we're waiting till morning. He's told other people, Jack, you're not on this one. Just deal with it. Mm-hmm. So my question is, will we see him take charge? He's always been afraid to step over Dean in that respect. But will we see him do that when we now know that Dean is not in the right place mentally or emotionally able to do so? For once, will Sam be the one to shoulder his brother's burdens? We've seen how guilty he felt at the end of season eight. We've seen him submit and let Dean. He's like, I'll I'll let you kill me with death at the end of season 10 that unleashed the darkness. Mm-hmm. We know that Sam has always put Dean first, but I think in a way he's going to have to transgress that traditional role and and in order to save dean i will be the one i'm going to take charge you have to listen to me now because dean's not able to and for once dean will have a moment where he can't stand up to the challenge and be the one calling the shots and i know we've seen a little bit of that before where dean was okay with sam taking the taking control but of other people never himself right like in season 12, Dean was like, you can do this. You got this. I'm going to go save mom. You can handle this. Even that was you handle these other people while I make yes. my own independent decisions. Yes, you're absolutely right. And now Sam is going to be the one who Dean's not able to or or shouldn't. It'll and be interesting. It'll be interesting to see him. Can he step over that barrier and be what his brother needs, even if it's not what Dean wants? Yeah, or as they have seen, as we as we have seen in the past, there's more and more comparisons of uh, Sam and his dad, and Dean and his mother. That they're mm-hmm. more alike. We already know that John was a bit of a not a control freak, but hey, what he said went. That was rules. Yeah, my way or the highway. So is Sam gonna truly become his father and do that? I mean, maybe Dean needs a little bit of that. Maybe he's Dean, always fought, played well into that. Yeah. So who knows? It'll be cool to see, though. I am interested in in that in that tidbit, though. I think the way Dean ended this episode was perhaps the greatest clue to that being a major part for Sam this season. Yeah. So we're going to take another quick break before we get into that last little bit. Stick with us. Supernatural The Crossroads in just a moment. Have you missed an episode of Supernatural The Crossroads? Catch up on all our discussions. Just search Supernatural The Crossroads on iTunes and Stitcher. You can also find it on the RMD app. Just search Rain Man Digital from your iTunes app store or Google Play. Become an elite Crossroads listener by pledging to our Patreon page. By pledging, you not only gain access to more Supernatural-themed broadcasts, but you help us keep doing what we're doing every month. Want to watch the live video stream every show? Then pledge $15 a month and gain access to the live video feed along with quarterly gifts and every additional piece of Crossroads content we put out each and every month. Just want the video cast? Then pledge $10 and gain access to our Season 1 retrospective discussions and breakdowns, including specialty shows, and you gain access to everything from the $1 to $5 tiers 
like the bonus Crossroads podcast, the Crossroads pre-show, the cinematography of Supernatural, and 10 Minutes at the Crossroads minicast. Pledge today and gain access to all of this and more over on patreon.com slash Digital. And also, Thomas, starting in November, we don't have the exact date yet, but for every person that one of our Patreon subscribers refers another, if, let me start over, (laughs) and also starting in the month of November, anytime a current Patreon subscriber refers a friend or a loved one, and they become a paying Patreon subscriber, the one who referred them will receive a free Rain Man digital shirt of their choosing, whether it be oh. a Star Wars shirt from the back to tank, Star Trek, Supernatural. There I'm going to leave that 100% up to them. Nice. So, yeah, start referring people and make sure those people post on the page that so-and-so referred them. Otherwise, I won't know. And I'll be forced to keep the shirt myself. <laughs> Crossroads 003. All right, Supernatural the Crossroads. Getting to the last little bit of the show here. We mentioned before that Dab said in an interview that Dean will have to grapple with what has been done to his body by (laughs) Michael. Sounds horrifying, but it still stands. And we said just right before the break that seeing how Dean reacts to this will we are you are such a fucking child <laughs> Michael's all damn this vessel has a great body look at that dick <laughs> he's, he's just all, staring in the mirror the whole time sweet I'm gonna, go, <laughs> I'm gonna go party and have some fun before there's plenty of time for business later yeah right now I'm gonna go celebrate in this new vessel <laughs> that's Ooh, what, that, wait, that, look that, at me that was the first two weeks I'm just hot. plowing everything I'm hot <laughs> now we also mentioned previously before the break that Dean's emotional mental fallout from these events is probably going to be the thing that puts him in the situation to Mm -hmm. which Sam has to step up to the plate. And that comes to light with at the end when Dean said that it was like being underwater. And he also alluded that there'd be dab alluded that there'd be parallels to Nick and the effects that Lucifer's possession had on him. We know that Nick is struggling with some disturbing memories that he remembers tidbits we get that with the flashback scenes in last episode. We know that it's still a dark part of his past. It's fucking with him and rightfully so. Yeah. And we know that Nick wants to do right and try to right some wrongs that were, that occurred in his life. But we'll, but we know he'll find himself more broken than he thought he was at the same time. There's no way you can tackle those issues and not be, I have a feeling that he doesn't even fully understand what he did in the last episode oh i don't think so it hasn't clicked yet no i think lucifer is still very much a part of him in fact i believe uh dab said in an interview that that we're gonna realize that there are pieces of lucifer still that that are still a part of him and that we're gonna see him continue nick we're gonna see him continue to appropriate some of the devil's mannerism so if Oh, there that's are, dark. Yeah, what a fucking cool that's concept, dark, right? dark, dude. This is a great way to use Mark Pellegrino again. Because not only if if they use this as that subplot that parallels or potentially foreshadows the lingering effects that an archangel's presence within a has. vessel has, and then suddenly we're now worried for Dane. 
if, oh, yeah. if Lucifer is being affected or if Nick is being affected still, then what is Dean going through or what will he go through as well? And it's, the- it's a good way to create that, uh, not necessarily intrigue, but uh, the feeling of dread that I always talk about that yeah. we should have in these types of shows. We need to worry for our heroes. And rather than it just be simply, oh, you know, uh, I'm struggling uh, PTSD, which is something they've done several times time and, time again. and it's worked. Why not use another person's story to create that that potential foreboding? Yeah, especially because who else is better than Nick, who has been the vessel for the archangel longer than anybody else we know. And the idea that pieces of Lucifer are still left behind or influencing Nick as person That's, again, some pretty dark shit. And if pieces of Lucifer still linger, it it seems more like a possession takes place. Whenever that takes place, the the longer they've been together, the more the two personalities start to mesh, that they rub off on one another. Yeah, that seems like what they're doing, right? Right. If that's what happened to Nick, then it's safe to assume Dean's going to have some demons to battle of his own with Michael. Yeah. Now, we know that it wasn't nearly as long of a time, but it was also a much more powerful Michael from an alternate universe. Who knows what the fuck ramifications that has? That's uncharted territory. I think that's the key there, too, is that we don't know what untold power this Michael has. A Michael that has defeated the world or his world. Yeah. And maybe that's also the reason why he was a bit overly aggressive with Dark Kai in this episode. Maybe Dean was feeling some lingering effects from the last time he confronted Kaya we know as he was, Michael. We know he was having flashbacks of it. Yeah. We saw that. Maybe it did. Yeah. Maybe that scar is more than just a title of what happened on his arm. Yeah. Now, if they're using this subplot to, to potentially foreshadow the, the dangers that Dean is in, that the woes that could follow through Nick's deranged downfall... This could be fucking really good as a subplot. Yeah, especially with and this is Mark Pellegrino yes. in the mix. I mean, anytime you can give him something with meat and substance, he will bring it. And I think this is why another example of how this is a great mix of apocalypse world ending event and in deeply personal shit going on as well. Because if you have the main issue being Michael's going to try and end the world. But your subplot is what are the personal fallouts that that has on somebody and their psyche? Mm-hmm. That's some interest. That's great writing. That's and, great, interesting shit. And it just makes it that much more intimate. It does. So with that, I think it's time to get into our final thoughts. Mike, what do you, what were your final thoughts in this episode? What do you give it overall? All right. Because Ryan's not here, I will go ahead and, and do Thank this. you. All right. So, this episode was classic Barons. It had all those parallel narratives all working in conjunction to mm-hmm. deliver the ultimate story. It was consistent with everything we've seen in the previous two episodes. It didn't feel like it was out, you know, out of left field. It even worked with elements from the prior seasons, season 12, season 13. There's a lot of consistency in this episode and this season so far. And I know we're only three episodes in, but I, I'm not seeing any of those issues that we had last year. It feels very well mapped out. Mm-hmm. I'm going to give this episode a B. It's not Baron's best work, but it is 
still strong. Very, very strong. Yeah. I, I'll agree with a lot of what you said. I think it's another great example of mystery built on top. The The building blocks for the season feel very well thought out. Having Dark Kaya be written into the main myth arc and what's going on with Michael is great. It doesn't feel like an abandoned plot thread. And I love that. It makes the whole bit of Dab's run feel a little bit more cohesive. Mm-hmm. It doesn't fix previous problems. And yes, it's not the the most nuanced of Baron's work, but it's still a very strong episode. It still gets across everything we need to know. It still builds that mystery. And it's a, a great next piece it, so far. Now, the key word there, Thomas, is mystery, right? And I know yeah. we said this off air. I don't think we said it even during the pre-show, but... That's the funnest thing about this season so far is that there's a mystery element that I feel has been missing for the past several years. There's something there that is intriguing and unknown. And that's something we really haven't had in my immediate memory since Kripke's era Mm -hmm. with what is it about Sam that you might have to put your own brother down? Yeah. What is yes. what does Azazel want from them? It does Why it, was it he has brought the, back? It has those vibes, right? It has those same vibes. Yeah. What is up with Michael? What does he want? How is Dean gonna deal with this? What's going on with Jack? Like so many of those things feel reminiscent of those older days. The fact that we're speculating, especially last week's episode, where we were speculating for like 30, 40 Fine, minutes. Yeah. I mean, that's because there is enough there that we can actually speculate for 40 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. It's strong. It's a good episode. So, yeah, it's a a B for me as well. And so far, season 14 has been doing really strong. So hopefully it continues down that path and hopefully we get some answers with more mystery. So far, I like the direction they're going down. Yep. Me too. So with that, guys, we want to thank everybody for listening to Supernatural The Crossroads. Make sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, all of that, and head on over to patreon.com slash Digital. Get more Crossroads content. Help us out, and we'll see you all next time. You little maggot. You are no longer a part of this story. Hey, ass butt.